Balinda. Ele é grande na casa, um dream liga na bade, brinde de melique na sura balechete. Thank you, Father. Can we take this song together? You are glorious. So glorious in your ways. You are marvelous. So marvelous in your ways. You are wonderful. So wonderful in your ways. Oh, Yahweh, 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 You are glorious, so glorious in your ways. Elohim Adonai, Elohim Adonai, Elohim Adonai, Thank you, Father. 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 Neri andarabalem nekeria sabarundre nekeria dia. Igalabarindre nekeria gazuzembre neri baladidaragondara. Eyemere kila dundre nekeria lazuzembre nereberenia lagarunda. Thank you, Father. 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 We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all adoration. We say thank you, Father. 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 For in Jesus' mighty name, we are still praying. Praise the Lord. Praise the living Jesus. Uh, I want us to pray this prayer, this one prayer. Our Father, in the name of Jesus, reveal yourself to me today in your world. In the name of Jesus. This prayer is so important for us to pray together as a family. And so please make sure you are praying this prayer. The Father, in the name of Jesus, reveal yourself to me today your word in the name of Jesus. Can we begin to pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask today that you reveal yourself to us in your word in the name of Jesus. That you show yourself unto us today 
in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We thank you because you have revealed yourself to us in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' mighty name, we are still praying. Praise the Lord. Uh, I want to use this opportunity to welcome you to this meeting. Teach us to pray. This series is going to continue for the next two or three Sundays by the grace of God. It is known as we look to cover the subject of prayer. And so I want to encourage us to be patient, to be attentive, and to be sensitive spiritually now to what the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to us today. And so before we go into the world, we have one more prayer point. And this is our prayer. The Father, I ask today that you save me from the foolishness of my past. See, we must be frank with each other that many of us have been foolish in the past. Particularly myself, I don't know about you. You might have been wise all your life, I don't know. But I myself, I know that I have been ignorant in the past and I have been foolish in the past and I may have taken some decisions and certain steps as a result of those ignorance or as a result of that state of ignorance and foolishness. And some of these decisions, if God does not reveal them to us, we would not know the right step to take or how to reverse them. Yes, it is true that God restores. But we have to understand that there are certain decisions that need to be reversed on contrary steps has to be taken in order for them to be restored. And so this is why we are going to pray to God today to help us and save us from our past foolishness and ignorance. Can we begin to pray in the name of Jesus? Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, we ask today that you save us from our past indiscretions, that you save us from our past ignorances. Oh, Jesus, you're the only one that can save us. And so we ask that you save us from our past indiscretions in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we ask that you save us from our past indiscretions from our past foolishness and our and ignorances of our past in the name of Jesus. Thank you, everlasting Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For in Jesus' mighty name, we are still praying. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all the adoration. We thank you for this meeting, and we thank you for a time like this. We say, be thy exalted in the name of Jesus. Thank you, everlasting Father, because you have revealed yourself to us today in your word. We thank you because your word has saved. We thank you because your word has healed. We thank you because your word has transformed. 
We say, be thou exalted in the name of Jesus. Thank you, everlasting Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For in Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Um, once again, let me welcome us to the Adventures in Prayers meeting. This meeting is dedicated to studying and learning the arts and the arts of prayer. It is dedicated to the study of the arts and the arts of prayer. And so we have our team teach us to pray. One of the very powerful um, advantages, I don't want to call it weapon, one of the very powerful advantages that a believer has is the ability to pray. Praise God. This access to pray is a very big advantage that if, if a believer knows how to use this advantage, it will be able to cause many things to happen. However, when the purpose of a thing is not known, abuse is inevitable. And so many times we, we see the abuse of prayer and the misuse of prayer, even in the fold. And then it seems as if it is getting to a point as if God does not answer prayers. It is beginning to appear as if maybe God does not just hear. Just maybe God is looking at you and it is the will of God for you not to have certain things. So that's why when you pray about them, you won't get answers. So people are even of the opinion that when you have prayed regarding a thing and then things have not changed, it means that your prayer has not been enough. Wow. That's wonderful. That you need to continually pray about a big thing 20 years, 30 years, even if it has not changed, continually pray about it. Wow. That's wonderful. Whether this is true or not, I trust the Holy Spirit through His Word to explain to us in the course of this teaching. In the course of the series, but hold one thing and be clear about it: that prayer is an advantage that a believer has. See, everybody on the earth prays. Maybe we should be clear about it. All men pray, whether they believe this or not. Whether they choose to understand this or not does not matter. All men at some point in their life would have at least said a word of prayer. More than once. And this is because we understand that by, by, by reason of experience or by a default setting, men understand that there is, there is not so much that, they can, that can be done by their own ability and understanding. That even as much as science would like to explain that there are different reasons why certain things happen, even scientists pray. In the course of their experiment, they pray silently. They hope that the things that they're trying to put together work out together. They're praying. 
Praise God. Generally, men believe prayer to be some sort of gateway to accessing the supernatural. Generally, this is about this is not about whether you are a Christian or not. Men, whether they choose to understand this or not, believe firmly at the bottom of their heart that praying somehow is a gateway to the spiritual. So that if you want to cause something to happen and you have used all of your strength, you can pray. If not to God, then to a deity or to an idol or to a principality. And so you need to connect with something supernatural to help you. So you pray. So yes, we must be clear about it. It is not only Christians that pray. And it's not only God that prayers are directed to. But the, Christ, the difference between a Christian, praise God, the difference between a Christian, I mean, when I say Christian now, I mean a believer. The difference between a believer and everyone else is that the advantage you have gives you access to the creator and owner of all things and not just a spiritual being, it gives you access to the creator and owner of all things in such a way that you can get anything you are asking for if you know how to ask. Praise God. Now, Luke chapter 11. Jesus was praying in a particular place and then the disciples came to him. They noticed something about him and they came to him. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Praise the Lord. Teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Now, what this means is that this is not the first time the disciples were seeing people pray. These disciples grew up praying. Praise God. I want us to pay attention here. They grew up seeing people pray. In fact, they have a living example at the moment. They've seen John pray and they've seen his disciples pray. But something interesting is, is happening here. They see that the way the Lord Jesus prays is somewhat different. And then the result of the life of Jesus is somewhat different. And so they came to him and said, Master, can you teach us to pray? It looks as though you, you, you pray differently and the result of your life is different. Definitely Jesus was not the first person to be praying that they will be saying. So despite the fact that they had been accustomed to prayer, they knew what prayer can do, they still didn't know how to pray. They admitted that they didn't know how to pray. So one thing you must declare about is that prayer must be learned. Prayer is not something you just hold on to and you begin to pray. It must be learned. We must learn to pray. Praise God. Are we together now? We must learn to pray. 
And so if we are going to learn to pray, it means that we have to take a conscious and deliberate attempt at understanding why we pray first. We need to take a deliberate attempt at understanding why we pray. And what prayer is. Praise God. For today we'll be starting from what prayer is not and what prayer is. That's where we're starting from today. What prayer is not and what prayer is. And then we'll talk briefly about why we pray. And then from the next week, we, we, we take it off from there. As I said earlier, when the purpose of a thing is not known, abuse is inevitable. When you do not know the purpose of a thing, you are bound to abuse it. When you don't know why we pray, you are bound to abuse it. And when you do know why we pray, praise God, when you do know why we pray, it makes it easier for you to learn the act of praying. Praise God. Jesus was speaking to the disciples in John chapter 16, verse 24. John chapter 16 and verse 24. I'll be reading from my end. John chapter 16 and verse 24. Praise the Lord. John chapter 16 and verse 24. Jesus was speaking to the disciples here. And he was telling them why they should pray. He was telling them. John chapter 16 and verse 24. He said, he reads this. He says, let's start with verse 23. It says, in that day, in what day? In that day you shall ask me nothing. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. We'll, we'll start the scripture much later, but just pay attention now. Whatever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. He says, till now, you have asked nothing in my name. He now says, ask. And you shall receive. That your joy may be full. Ask. And you shall receive. That your joy may be full. Praise God. Ask and you see that your joy may be full. So the, 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 one of the reasons why we pray is so that our joy may be full. Now, when I say joy may be full now, I, I, Jesus was not talking about joy coming from just personal and selfish experiences alone. No, it's coming from a place where there is the understanding that you are bearing fruit. And so you have joy, not just because of your experiences, but also because of the fruits that you are bearing. Praise God. Praise God. 
when it comes to the, the issue of being having complete joy now so so that we can understand what part prayer is playing 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 in our lives and in in the achievement or say in the accomplishment of joy in our lives john chapter 15 from verse 1 it says i am the true vine and ye and father is my is the farmer it says every branch in me that bears no fruit he takes away praise god and if you continue to reach up to verse 7 it says if you abide in me john chapter 15 and verse 7 it says if you abide in me and uh my words abide in you you shall ask what you will and it shall be done for you it says herein is my father glorified yes that if my words abide in you, you will ask the Father whatever you want, and it shall be done for you. This is still talking about it. That if my if my words abide in you, you will pray and ask for anything, and it shall be done. He now says, the reason it shall be done is so that you can bear fruit. Verse, verse 8. He says, herein is my Father glorified, that you bear more fruit, so that so you shall be my disciples. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Look at the scripture. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done. So when the Bible was talking about asking that your joy might be full, hold on. Your joy is full because the Father is glorified in your lives as a result of the fruits that your life is producing. Hallelujah. So, pain is beyond me, my family, my friends, my people, my church. No. Your prayer circle goes beyond yourself and your immediate family. Two main reasons why we pray. So that our joy might be full. Why? Two, so that the Father might be glorified. Praise God. Verse 9, he continues to say, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. Verse 10. He says, If you keep my commandments, he says, You shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Now hear this. These things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. The essence of praying is fruit bearing. Are we together now? So a prayer life must bear fruit. The essence, the reason why we pray, praise God, is so that we can bear fruit and that our joy might be full. So if you have missed this aspect already, there's a problem. So in your prayer life, the center of it is that the Father is glorified. And how is the Father glorified? That his will is done. And is manifested even to the ends of the world. That the fruits you are bearing 
They are good fruits that the world can see. So when we pray outside of this context, don't worry. We're just joking. It does not matter how long we spend there. The purpose of praying is simple. One, that our joy might be full. Two, our joy cannot be full unless the Father is glorified anyway. Two, that the Father is glorified. Two main purposes. Every other result of prayer stems from these two main purposes. Every other result you get from the place of prayer comes from these two things. One, that your joy may be full. Two, that the Father is glorified. And so if there's anything that does not glorify God in your life, there is an experience, there is a, a challenge, uh, 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 whatever it is, a sickness, uh, a situation that defies the glory of God in your life, okay, you can through prayer, praise God, you can through prayer arrest the situation that the Father is glorified and your joy is full. Are we together now? This is the main purpose of prayer. The reason why we pray. Now, we must understand that the reason why we pray in those days, in the Old Testament, is different from the reason why we pray in the New Testament. Praise God. No, no, no. There are two different dispensations of prayer. Okay, let me not get, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. But know this now, that there are two different dispensations of prayer in the different testaments, in the different covenants. In the new covenant that we have in Christ Jesus, the reasons we pray are these two. That one, our joy may be full, two, that the Father is glorified. Now, if this is the reason we pray, what then is prayer? God now. What then is prayer? Now, to look at what prayer is, we're going to start from what prayer is not. I'm going to share with us today, by the grace of God, if time comes out, four things that prayer is and four things that prayer is not. Four things that prayer is and four things that prayer is not. So let's start from what prayer is not. One, get this and be clear about it. Prayer is not a mean to get God to work for you. We, know, we have said that, hallelujah, we have said that uh, the main purpose of prayer are two things. One, that your joy might be full. Two, that the Father is glorified. Praise God. These are the two main purposes of prayer. But you must understand that in the exercising of this purpose, in the fulfillment of this purpose of prayer, prayer is not a means to get God 
to work for you. Settle this now. God doesn't work for anyone. God doesn't work for anyone. What the Bible says is that with God, all things are possible. Hear me. God is not subjected to your will and so it does not work for you. And so it does not matter how long you spend crying to God or calling to God to come and perform something that is outside of his will for you to happen. In fact, even if, it is his, even if it is in his will to do for you, you are asking him to come and do it. It still might not happen. You're missing the key ingredients. What are we saying this evening? That prayer is not a means to get God to work for you. And the experience of God in your life is limited to the revelation of his word that you have. Or let me put it in another way. The experience of God that you have in your life is limited to the level of partnership that you are able to achieve with him. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God and was not. That is the extent of the partnership he had with God. The only man that didn't die. Even Moses died. I mean, God killed Moses and he buried him. At least that's what the Bible said. I went together now. But Enoch walked with God. As a result of his partnership with God, he didn't die. With God, all things are possible. So when partnership is no longer an issue between you and God, everything becomes possible for you. Now, the, uh, the kind of partnership you can experience with God, I mean, the, the extent to which you can experience the power of God is determined by partnership, quite all right. But partnering with God is partnering with his word. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 1. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that who hath believed our reports? Isaiah chapter 53 verse 1. He said, who hath believed our report? To whom is the hand of the Lord revealed? What this means is that the person that believes the report of God is the person that will experience the hand of God. So, if you want God to manifest in your life, what you need is partnership, not more prayers. Because God does not ultimately work for you, He's working with you. Hallelujah. You're working with God. Ultimately, He does not work for you. He can't work for you. But you can work with Him. And if you are available and you know how to partner with him, 
he can walk with you. But this is not done with prayer. This is done via partnership with God. And like I said earlier, partnering with God is partnering with his word. That's the first thing prayer is not. I repeat again, prayer is not a means to get God to work for you. That's one. Now, two, prayer is not a means of fighting battles. Praise the Lord. Prayer is not a means of fighting battles. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Many believers today are fighting battles that are not necessary. I say this without apology to anybody. I say this without apology to anybody. Many believers today, if you're a believer and you are still of the opinion that you are fighting battles up and down, there's a problem. And that problem most likely is ignorance. Am I saying there are no, uh, there are no battles against you? There are battles against you. I'm saying you are not fighting them. They are fighting you. There's a difference. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 10. I'm going to be reading from my end. Let's just stay together. Prayer. See, Jesus, Colossians chapter 2, make us understand that Jesus already fought principalities and powers. He defeated them. He made an open show of them. Triumphing over them in it. He stripped them of the power that they had over you. And if Jesus has done this and he is victorious, why are you still fighting? Whether by prayer or by any means, why would you think you still need to fight? If Jesus has fought, Book of First John chapter one verse five, chapter five rather. First John chapter five says that ye have overcome. First John chapter four rather says that you have overcome them, little children. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So you will win battles, or say you win against the skirmish of the devil against the manipulations of the devil not by your own fights not by your own struggles praise god you win over the devil not by your own efforts not by your own skirmish not by your own fighting per se But because of the victory you already have in Christ Jesus. I think there was a glitch there. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's, let's stay together now from a stand. It says, finally, my brothers, please pay attention now. Finally, my brothers, 
Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. Verse 11. It says, put on the whole armor of God. Now, when you see the word armor, you might be um, tempted to think that, okay, now we're talking about fighting. Yes, we're talking about spiritual warfare, but it doesn't necessarily say fighting. Pay attention now. It says, take, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Put on the whole armor of God. Let me read that place again. That you may be able to stand. Interestingly, this, this scripture is talking about spiritual warfare. And one thing it didn't say yet. It's about power. Probably by the time we get to verse 18, you see about the devil having power. It says that you may be able to stand, stand now, not fight, stand against the wiles of the devil. It didn't say fight against the powers of the devil. No, 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 no. It said stand. So the ideology that you even have to fight against the power of the devil is an evil strategy from the devil. The idea that you need to be at your spiritual best to be able to withstand the devil. I mean, spiritual best, so to speak. That you need to, you know, have been clean, have been cleanliness, holiness. You need to abstain from sin, you know, do all sort of things, fast for about 21 days. Many things like that, that gives you a sense of spiritual, uh, you know, chastity and all that. And um, then you may be able to stand against the devil. It's even an, a lie. From the devil. That's what I'm saying. You do not need to fight. In fact, as a believer, there is only one fight, physical, spiritual, that you are expected to fight. And it is called the fight of faith. This is quite different. Pastor talk about this in another teaching. Now, let's not digress too much. What we're saying now is that you are expected to stand against the wiles of the devil. So it shouldn't be you going about saying things like the devil is powerful but he doesn't have salvation. No, he is neither powerful nor does he have salvation at least over you. Now, this is the truth. The devil might have power over all the people that are unbelievers in the world because they are still under his authority. They are not yet redeemed. But you, my brother, my sister, have been redeemed. Hallelujah. And because you have been redeemed, the devil does not have any longer. What he does have, however, is wows. And the version calls this place evil tricks. And just told us one of those tricks that you fight against the powers of the devil is a trick from the devil. Instead, you stand against the tricks of the devil. How to get it now? It says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in the highest places. He says, why take to you the whole armor of God? Again, that you may be able to stand in the evil day. So God knows that there is a day where the devil will trick you so much. I would make, probably make you experience certain things that are so bad. But God is saying, I am not expecting you to fight, especially not by prayers, but to stand in the evil day. It says, and having done all, having done all what? Having done all of what I'm about to list now, it says, stand. Not fight again. So the bottom line is, prayer is not a means to fight. Any battles. And then he went on mentioning the hammer now, from verse 13, I mean from verse 14, talks about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. Now, the hammer is complete, and interestingly, prayer is not mentioned in the hammer. The hammer that is intended to make you strong and help you stand against the wiles of the devil does not include prayer. Of course, verse 18 did say, praying always, but it said, with all prayer. Now, all pain is praying, but there are different kinds of prayer. If there are no different kinds of prayer, it, didn't, it wouldn't say all prayer. We'll talk about us as we continue the series. So note this and be clear about it, that prayer is not a means to fight your battles. Let's go. Please go. First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. From verse 8. It says, Be so be vigilant, be vigilant, rather, because your adversary the devil, as roaring lion, walks about, seeking whom he may devour. But it says, whom you resist steadfast in the faith. It didn't say steadfast in your prayers. And definitely didn't say whom you fight with your prayers. The Bible didn't say whom you fight with your prayers. The Bible said whom you resist steadfast in the faith. Once again, you do not have to fight. Praise God. Now that's the second thing. Prayer is not a means to fight your battles. Number three. Now, number three is very, very important. Well, as a kid, I, I grew up hearing 
this particular song that prayer is the key prayer is the key prayer is the master key jesus started with prayer excuse me and ended with prayer prayer is the master key hallelujah prayer is the key prayer is the key prayer is the master key it's a wonderful song to sing right how wrong we were number three prayer is not the master key prayer is an important key yes but it's not the master key now matthew chapter 6 verse 33 jesus was speaking to people here he said seek first the kingdom of god and its righteousness thereof and every other thing would be added unto you seek first the kingdom of god and when he was teaching them to pray he said our father pay attention to this particular prayer the lord's prayer our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name we have thank god our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name we have just thank god the next thing he said in that prayer is thy kingdom come interestingly the next thing the lord jesus said in that prayer is thy kingdom come so there is emphasis on his kingdom and the oppression of this kingdom fine prayer is one of the keys in operating this kingdom but it is not the master key It's a seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness there. And he says, every other thing will be added. Every other thing. Now, Romans 17. I want us to look at I want us to see something very important here. Romans chapter 1, verse 17. I'll be reading from the Passion Translation so that we can understand better. Romans 1 and verse 17. Give me some minute. Give me a minute. Romans 1 and verse 17. Praise the Lord. Now, Romans 1 17 from the Passion Translation says, The gospel. Or perhaps you should start from verse 16 so that we can understand. Do not forget, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom and every other thing. Every other thing. I mean, every other thing that natural people are praying for that you would have loved to pray for will be added unto you if you seek for the kingdom now uh romans 1 16 says i refuse to be ashamed of the wonderful message of god's liberating power unleashed in us through christ for i am true to preach that everyone who believes is saved the KJV version says i am not ashamed of the gospel of christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. That what produces the power of God unto salvation is the gospel of Christ. Praise God. Now, 
verse 17. It says, this gospel, the Passion, Passion Translation says, this gospel of, the, of Christ now, it says, unveils a continual revelation. This gospel unveils a continual revelation of God's righteousness. A perfect righteousness given to us when we believe. And it moves us from receiving life through faith to the power of living by faith. It moves us from receiving life through faith to the power of living by faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Now, if you are just and you have been saved, it means you have been saved, right? It means you are a believer. Good, wonderful. It means you are now be made righteous. Wonderful. Now it says, this righteousness, okay, requires a continual revelation of the gospel. To operate this righteousness that the Lord Jesus has said you should seek after, you need a continual revelation of the gospel. It says, this continual revelation of this gospel will move you from receiving life through faith to the power of living by faith. Essentially, the, uh, the, the oppression of the kingdom of God, that the Lord Jesus said every other thing we come along with, requires the requirement and the master key is a continual revelation of the gospel, not prayers. So the master key now is not prayer. The master key is a continual revelation of the gospel. And this will lead you to live by faith. So we can say essentially that the master key to the kingdom of God is faith. Live it by faith. Praise God. Sorry to shake some tables, but prayer is not the master key. I'm very sorry to shake some tables. Am I sorry? No, I don't think so. But prayer is not the master key. We should be clear about it now. If there is any master key in the kingdom, it is a continual revelation of the gospel. Now, point number four. What prayer is not. Four. Prayer can change things. Please, I need us to be clear about this. That prayer is powerful. Whether you believe this or not, it is the truth. There's nothing you can do about the truth, it is the truth. You can't harm the truth, you can't stop the truth, you can't hinder the truth, it is the truth. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Prayer turns situations around. Prayer makes things happen. Prayer stops things from happening. Prayer replenishes things. Prayer can destroy things. Praise God. Prayer can't change everything. 
We must understand this. Prayer can change everything. So for a believer, you must know what to pray for and what not to pray for. Yes, prayer can change things, but it can't change everything. And as a believer, you need to know what to pray for and what not to pray for. Now, if prayer can change everything, then it means God would have given access to supernatural power to men without giving them a guideline to the use of it and allowing them to use it to their whims of the flesh. And God is not careless. So prayer can change things. I must be clear about this. Different kind of prayers apply to different situations, but generally prayer can change things. If you know how to pray, hallelujah. But prayer can't change everything. There are certain things that only decisions can change them. There are certain things that only the right steps can alter them. There are certain things that only the right formation can change it. But there are things that prayer can change. Praise God. Jesus, while he was teaching uh, disciples, he says, if the son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. But then he wants to say, you will have a responsibility towards your freedom. And hear this, hey, everybody. You have a responsibility towards your freedom in any area of your life and jesus said that you will know the truth and it will set you free so a man holding a lie cannot pray with the lie and expect to change things it will work So if a man must change things, he must be holding the truth. Hallelujah. You can't pray with a lie. You can't pray with a lie. So there is a key a very important key that gives a man access to be able to change situations. One key. Let me show us this key this night. First, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Colossians chapter 1, and verse 9. I'll read it from my hand. So just be patient with me a little. Colossians 1, verse 9. This key is very important. It has the ability 
to cause a man to become able to change things with or without prayer. Colossians 1.9. It says, For this cause also, since the day we add it, do not cease to pray for you, pay attention, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will, that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Praise God. Most of the time, what you are praying for, okay, would have been done easily if you had the required wisdom and spiritual understanding. There are some prayer points today that the only thing that can cause them to happen is the wisdom of God. That unless the man possesses the wisdom of God, and that is the truth, they won't happen. Praise God. Now it says, we pray that you desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. Knowledge of his will. It's a very important key. No wonder 1 John 5.14 says that this is the confidence we are. When we pray according to his will, he heareth us. Ha! Remember we were talking about the keys of the kingdom the earlier day, the other day. And I told us that the, the central key to the operating of the kingdom in host is the knowledge of his will. It is a central key. If a man, ah, Jesus is Lord, thank you, Holy Spirit. If a man can be so in tune with God that he has the knowledge of his will in all situations, praise God, then for that man, nothing shall be impossible because that man is able to partner with God ultimately. Praise God now. He says, what will happen as a result of you possessing the knowledge of his will is that you will walk pleasing of the Lord. You will walk worthy of the Lord to all pleasing. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. You might walk worthy, being fruitful, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And it didn't stop there. Strengthened with all power. That when you have the knowledge of his will, four things. You will not worry about whether you are acceptable to God or any longer. You will walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Two, you will be fruitful in every good work. Three, you would increase in the knowledge of God. Four, you will be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. To all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Why? Because you possess the knowledge of his will that leads into all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Very important key. And to get the knowledge of his will, hear me, requires are spending time with the word of God. 
See, we, when we say the word of God, we must understand that the word of God is not just pen and paper. The word of God is not just ink. Hallelujah. The word of God is not just ink. Jesus is the word. The word is a spirit. And just as the Holy Spirit witness with your spirit that you are the son of God, the word of God can witness with your spirit. That is your spirit can connect with the word of God, the spirit that is the word of God by the help of the Holy Spirit that is in you. So it's not just about knowing the stories in the Bible or reading the Bible. There has to be some sort of relationship between you and this world, the spirit. And it must be a relationship that you are nurturing, one that you are building. This is sometimes what we miss. When Jesus was saying, ask and it shall be given unto you, we hold on to that one. But he went on to say, seek, and you will find. What happened to seeking? Because Jesus knew that there are some things that you, well, no matter how much you ask, they can't be given unless you seek to understand the truth about it. And then he says, see, that's not all. I, I must be frank with you. When you ask, it will be given unto you. But you don't stop there. You go ahead and seek. Praise God now. This key is very important. Those are four things that prayer is not let. Let me repeat them again. One, prayer is not a means to get God to work for you. Prayer is not a means of fighting battles. Prayer is not the master key. Now, prayer can change things, but prayer can't change everything. And of course, we have looked at Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, which is a key, the knowledge of his will, a very important key that grants you access to four things. I'm emphasizing this because of its importance. One, that you will be able to walk pleasing of the Lord. Two, that you will be fruitful in every good work. Three, that you will be increasing in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. Four, that you will be strengthened with all might, with all power. Praise God. Now, what then is prayer? What then is prayer? We're going to look at four things that prayer is tonight. And number one, prayer is a means to make demands on the life that is in you. John chapter 15, verse 7. Prayer is a means to make demands on the life that is in you. It says, if you abide in me, John 15, 7 now, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, 
He says, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done. Now, there are many times the Lord Jesus talks about asking and praying. At times, he says, ask the Father in my name, he shall give it to you. Other times, he will say, ask in my name, it shall be done. But at this particular time, he didn't direct us to somebody in particular. Now, please, don't in your mind, by yourself, have father. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God now. He says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will, and it shall be done. By who? He says, regardless of who answers you, don't worry, it is still my father that is going to be glorified. That you bear much fruit. So, what the Lord is saying in essence is that you can make demands on the life that is in you. In John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, I have come that you may have life. That's the B part. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly. The life in you has power. The life in you that is the eternal life is the life of God. The life as God has it. It carries along with it the ability of God, the reproductive ability of God, the creative ability of God. You can make demands on it. Prayer is a means to make demands on the life of That I am a son of God. And the Bible has already said, that out of my belly flows rivers of living water. Out of my belly. It is not just a song. It is a declaration well made with understanding because the reality. Praise God. So prayers is a means to get the life in you to work for you. To make demands on the life. So when you make demands on the life in you, you'll be a fruit. Because guess what? The life in you is the life of God. So we can say God is in you. And God in you is not less than God in heaven. So should there be a situation, please what I'm about to say now, thank you, Holy Spirit. Should there be a situation, you must know the difference between a situation where you are equipped to solve, or one that God will have to come down from heaven and solve. And guess what? God will not come down from heaven and solve anybody's problem. Not anymore. He has done that through Christ Jesus. Praise God. You have been equipped for supernatural living. 
And so because of this, there are certain situations where you don't beg God to come and heal, I mean, to come and solve certain problems. There are certain issues that, that will require you asking the Holy Spirit, how do I undo this? Because I have been equipped for it. With the life of you have been equipped for supernatural living. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon you. Now listen to me. The Lord Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good times to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to those who are bound. The Lord Jesus said, He has been anointed. I have been anointed to do all those things, not God in heaven. So, this is what I'm saying. If there is a sick person around you, or say, say for example, you want to pray for someone that is sick. It is not that you will call God from heaven. Pray in faith, according to the word of God, that by his stripes, by the stripes of our Lord Jesus, this person is healed in the name of Jesus. And lay your hands on them in faith, and they are healed. You don't have to call God to come from heaven and solve that. You have a challenge and you need direction. It is not about troubling God. It's a prayer, it's a, it's a prayer you can direct to the Holy Spirit asking for directions. You need power. You, you, you sense a lack of power in your lives. Praying to God for power is meaningless. Especially if you already have the Holy Spirit. Now, if you don't have the Holy Spirit yet, good. Now you can now ask to receive the Holy Spirit. Because even the Holy Spirit has been given by God on the day of the Pentecost. Listen to me. God has done everything he will ever do concerning you and everybody else. Sincerely speaking. He wouldn't need to move an inch from a throne. For anybody's sake, to save anyone from anything. God is in you. He has deposited his life in you. He has deposited his ability in you. You can make demands on these abilities through prayer. I mean, through the right channel of prayer. As we learn in the future. That's the first thing prayer is. Prayer, I repeat, is a means to make demands on the life in you. Now, two, prayer is a means to develop the faith you already have. Jude chapter 1, verse 20. Especially when you pray in the Holy Ghost. 
without a particular prayer point in mind. Prayer is a means to develop the faith you already have. Notice I said, develop your faith. Prayer is not a means to create faith. This is a means to develop faith. Praise God. Faith does not come by prayer, but faith can be developed by prayer. Jude chapter 1 verse 20. Jude 1.20. Now it says, But you, beloved, building up yourself on your most holy faith. It didn't say building up your holy faith. No, no, no. It didn't say creating new faith. No. It didn't say um, having faith. No. It says building up your faith. So, when you pray in the Holy Ghost, when you pray in the Spirit, when you pray in tongues, specifically now, without a definite prayer in mind, you are building up on the faith you already have. This is building up yourselves on your Holy Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. What you are doing is that you are building up on the faith that you already possess. Now, when you do this, it becomes easier for you to manifest. Because even if it was a little faith you had before, by praying in the Holy Ghost, you are able to build upon it and gain access to the supernatural. Lay hands on the things of the spirit and bring them to the realm of the physical. The problem is, praying in the Holy Ghost will not help you so much if you don't have faith. You can only build on faith that you already possess. Now, I know God has dealt unto every man a mayor of faith, but you will be shocked. That if you stay at just that mayor of faith without hearing the word of God and just praying in the Holy Ghost, there is, there is already a cap on the manifestation of God you can have. Already. Because you cannot build up upon a faith you don't possess. So we must balance things. Hallelujah. Prayer is a means to develop your faith. Three, prayer is a means to exercise your authority in Christ Jesus. Prayer, it is a means to exercise our authority in Christ Jesus. We must understand that we have authority in Christ Jesus. And we can use this authority in prayer. The Bible says that there has been in Philippians chapter 4, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every other name, that at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess 
that Jesus is Lord. To the glory of God, the Father. Every knee shall bow. Everyone confess. The name of Jesus is the constituted authority in the universe. Praise God. You and I can use this authority in prayer. You and I. We can use this authority in the place of prayer. This is another the prayer is. And lastly, which is perhaps the most important, prayer is a means of communicating with God. Prayer is a means of communicating with God. Notice I said communicating, not praying to God. We communicate with God in prayer. Now, by communicating now, what this means is that it is a two-way thing. And when we pray, it is a two-way thing. That when you speak to God regarding a thing, you are instructed to get an answer from God. And so, if this two-way process is not complete, then prayer is not complete. And usually, it is because this two process is not complete. That is why a lot of prayers are left unanswered. Because their communication didn't even reach God in the first place. Hear this. First John 5, 14. This scripture is so important to the subject of prayer. It says, that this is the confidence we have. Since the two-way relationship in prayer, this is the confidence. I am so confident that when I come to the presence of God in prayer, as long as I pray according to His will, He heard me. And my assurance that He heard me is that I am praying according to his will. And so if he heard me according to his will, I know in my spirit that I've received my petition. And so unless I know in my spirit that I have my petition, prayer is not complete or praying is not complete. Unless I know in my spirit that I have my petition, then praying is not complete. Praise God. This is so important. Very important for us to understand. That unless you know it for sure, that prayer is complete. You can't say that prayer is complete. 
So when you pray, there must be feedback. You should hear from God. Because it's a two-way communication. Now, number five, prayer is a gateway to the supernatural. We've already said this before at the beginning. Especially praying in tongues, it is the gateway to the supernatural. Prayer is a gateway to the supernatural. Praise God. So far today, we've talked about what prayer is and what prayer is not. And so we must understand in our use of prayer, how to pray. Otherwise, we make a mistake. Now, we must get this. There are different kinds of prayer, like I've said earlier. And each kind of prayer have different sets of rules, biblical, scriptural rules, backing this prayer up. I, I think we must settle now that unless your prayer is backed by the word of God, you can't get an answer. Unless your prayer is based on the word of God, you can't get an answer. And so all kinds of praying that are contrary to the word of God cannot be answered. It does not matter who is praying them. God is no respecter of person. God will not because of one person go against his word. So it doesn't matter who is doing the prayer. What matters is, is the person doing it the right way. Hallelujah now. So say to it now. Spray, when you know how to use prayer well, you'll be able to experience God. When you know how to use prayer well, you'll be able to experience God. And so, in our next meeting, by the grace of God, we're going to start from the dispensation of prayer. So that we may know what we're doing wrong in prayer. There are some different kinds of praying that are wrong. There are some, diff there are some kinds of praying that the way they are being prayed has changed. For example, the prayer of supplication. In the old covenant, under the old covenant, the prayer of supplication is done in the flesh. I mean, mere words, by normal human words. But in the new covenant, the best way to supplicate is to pray in the spirit. The best way to pray the prayer of supplication is in the spirit. So, in our next meeting, we'll look at the dispensation of prayer and then move on to the seven steps to get prayers answered. Seven steps and answer prayer, and then we'll pick it up from there.
as the Holy Spirit leads us. Have we been blessed today? Now, all of us, whether you are online in this meeting or you are listening to me later or you are catching a recap of this meeting, it doesn't matter. This instruction is for you as long as you are listening to this message. Now, I know all of you must have a prayer point in your heart. You must have something that you desire of God to do for you. Praise God. Now, this is the assignment for you. Go and find the word of God that definitely promises you those things ahead of next week. Next week, by the grace of God, you will come along with that scripture. We will pray with it. I know every one of us has deep desires that we have. Find the scripture that definitely promises you these things. Definitely. That convinces you that no, the will of God is that I have this thing based upon the scripture. Come along with that scripture. We are going to be taking practical steps next week by the grace of God. That assignment. Now, if you are taking note of that, can we begin to worship the name of the Lord? Can we begin to thank Him for today? Can we